Welcome to the 18th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So we're going to talk about C-Band again. Uh, the auction is wrapping up. As we record this, there are only a handful of markets that still have active bidding, and it's actually pretty likely that by the time you lis- the, uh, listeners hear this episode, the auction will have finished somewhere around $82 billion in gross proceeds. There's been a lot of folks writing about how this is the largest auction ever. How can the carriers afford to do it? Uh, to the point where some of the stocks uh, for Verizon and AT&T are actually down by 6 or 7%, in large part, I think, due to sentiment around all the spending going on uh, for C-band. I think you probably have a little bit of a different perspective in terms of this valuation or, or how much the carriers are spending on this spectrum. You know, what, what do you think about $82 billion within the context of you know, the wireless industry as a whole, Roger? Well, $82 billion is a lot of money. We have to say that, right? But it's less than one year profit for the industry. And a lot of people have thrown around the, the specter of the European 3G auctions where the carriers bid a very significant amount and then they got afraid and pulled back and didn't properly invest in all of that. So I think the situation here is completely different. The carriers have by far more revenue in the U.S. They have by far higher ARPUs and they are by far more profitable than the Europeans were. And the American carriers have a business model that is being driven by usage. When you drive usage, your cost comes down so much faster when you go to the next technology. And this is about being 5G leaders and really bring 5G to the homes. Because one of the things that the European carriers did was really about then introducing a disuse model. You know, I remember when I worked for a European carrier around the 3G times when I was doing industry analysis and our IT department was like saying, don't use your wireless modem for things like downloading a presentation. That's not what it's for, right? The monetization was was about selling uh, megabits at, at very high rates. So here... This is ideal spectrum that the carriers need. AT&T, Verizon needed more than T-Mobile, but T-Mobile, I think, is probably in the midst of it. It's not a resource that comes back. And, you know, not winning the auction, not winning the spectrum has much more dramatic consequences than winning it. One of the things that's interesting is, you know, when you look at the various carrier spectrum holdings, uh, you know, T-Mobile has all that 2.5 gigahertz spectrum they, they got from the Sprint acquisition. This C-band is really the only kind of comparable spectrum. And even then, it's not as probably as good as the 2.5 gigahertz that T-Mobile has. at and Verizon really have to get something in that mid-band range in order to be able to compete. And I think what I'm hearing you say is the cost to not not have that ability to compete with a similar holding of, of Spectrum is much more costly than the $82 billion. 
correct? Well, we have a very clear example of what happens when you don't win or don't even bid on Spectrum that you actually need. And that example is Sprint, right? And we all know how, how it ended with Sprint. And uh, when you look at it, right or wrong, it's very difficult to make the argument that faster isn't better, right? And we can argue about does it really matter if you download or if you if you load a web page in a fraction of a second in a streaming world, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. But in speed test and people instinctively say faster is better. So T-Mobile has the most spectrum, which means it will have the highest capacity, highest speed, right? Before the auction finishes, they have twice as much spectrum in low and mid-band than AT&T and three times that of Verizon. And AT&T and Verizon are being positioned at, at, as the premium brand in the market. You can pull it off being second fastest with a premium positioning. If you're the third fastest, it becomes very difficult, right? So they have to dramatically close the gap between their spectrum holding and T-Mobile spectrum holding in order to be able to defend their positioning of being premium brands. If you are basically as good and you offer other goodies with it, you can still pull it off, but being significantly slower than the company that is offering the more budget prices is is the part where it becomes very, very difficult to defend. And so that's the backdrop here. And for both Verizon and AT&T, wireless is the core business. When that part of the business gets into trouble, there's nothing that the other divisions can do to pull it off, right? For Verizon, if mobility is, is has a poor quarter, do you really think that Yahoo uh, is going to pull it off and brighten the day? Or, or Fios, uh, right? Or Fios? Not really. For AT&T, it's the same, same thing. Warner Media in Hollywood has a really big sparkle factor, and everybody thinks it's so glamorous. But the run rate for Warner Media is $8 billion. For, for the telecom group, it's $28 billion. So while it grabs so much more attention when you watch a movie and, watch a, and TV shows and, and cable news, right, it, it really captivates our attention. But it doesn't materialize even closely in terms of revenue and profit. Just think about how much money the average consumer spends on wireless service per month versus how much they're spending on streaming, right? Yeah. Or on movies. It's it's a big difference, right? I, I would wager to bet that the vast majority of people are spending orders of magnitude more on, on wireless service on a monthly basis than they are on, on media consumption. Double, three times easy. And especially on a per household level, right? And then we have to say, and on top of it, interest rates are as low as they can get, right? And the same way, the reason why the house prices, even in the pandemic, have risen to record highs is your interest rates have really come crashing down. 
T-Mobile USA, which is not an investment-grade company, just raised $3 billion over the next 7 to 10 years for 2.65% interest. Both AT&T and Verizon are investment-grade stock. They can raise it at that price of, or even below. If there was ever a day or ever a year to go into debt to ensure future success, then it is now. And I say that as somebody who grew up in, in Germany, right, and who are like genetically predisposed against debt. And the German word for debt is like being guilty. So that's how, how ingrained it is. But now is the time to invest and to make sure the future goes right. And look at it this way. Do you really not think that they will have a, a higher return than 2.65% on buying Spectrum? Hell yeah, they will have that. Right. Well, it's basically table stakes at this it's point. It's table right? stakes. It's free money. It's, it's almost free money that they're giving you. Why not go into debt? Well, and you think about how long a generation lasts, right? So 4G has been coming up on almost 10 years here. You know, 5G, we don't know how long it's going to be until we hit 6G, but it's certainly, we're still certainly in early days. It's usually seven to 10 years. And, and they have this spectrum in the U U.S. in perpetuity. It's not like, like in Europe where they have to give back the spectrum and then bid on it again. So it's a really, really good investment. You know, low interest rates and ownership in perpetuity. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how we got here. I know that you and I were both pretty surprised when T-Mobile and Sprint were looking to merge, that there wasn't a lot of divestiture or really any sort of divestiture from a market or a spectrum perspective that was required for that merger. And I know in the past, uh, uh, Verizon, I think in particular, has brought up the concept of spectrum scre uh, screens, right? Can you talk a little bit about what the spectrum screen ruling is and whether or not you think it'll come into a play in the future in terms of the disparity between T-Mobile's holdings versus AT&T and Verizon's? Well, traditionally, there was a spectrum screen always, which basically means in times of mergers and acquisitions, and even for some auctions, the FCC made sure that one carrier wouldn't have an unfair advantage over the other carriers by basically having all the spectrum or a, a significant lead in spectrum in a given market. And that was a very, very wise decision because it helped then keep the competition in, in check. Yeah, it was really, really surprising that as part of the acquisition of Sprint by T-Mobile, that went completely out the window. Even when like Verizon bought all tell they had to divest spectrum when AT&T bought Century wireless like rinky dink carriers in the middle of nowhere right they had to divest spectrum and here they didn't have to divest spectrum and if you remember the 600 megahertz auction T-Mobile in uh, you really have to give it to them and admire what they pulled off lobbied that Carriers with too much spectrum in a market were not allowed to bid in that market, which basically 
prohibited AT&T and Verizon to bid in like 90-something percent of the country. And that made T-Mobile the heavy hitter in, in the market. Sprint didn't buy anything. So it was like, at that time, the, 800, the two 800-pound gorillas, AT&T and, and Verizon, beating up the 600-pound gorilla, T-Mobile, T-Mobile was able to pull off that the 800-pound gorillas had to sit it out, and they were beating up the chimpanzees, right? Right. So they basically got an almost nationwide footprint. No, they got a nationwide spectrum. Of 600 megahertz. Yep. 37 megahertz on average. And with that, they gained another 100 pound, and then they ate up Sprint, and now they're the 1,000-pound, 1,100-pound gorilla when it comes to spectrum, and they're beating up this, the 800-pound gorillas now. And the FCC basically let them do that. Right, and the Sprint acquisition gave them a nationwide footprint for 2.5 gigahertz yeah. that Sprint had gotten through their acquisition of Clearwire or their participation with part of Clearwire. Yes. So now T-Mobile's got low band that they didn't start out with, right, and 600 megahertz on a nationwide basis, as well as mid-band on a nationwide basis. The way T-Mobile played the regulatory game in the last five, six years is nothing short of admirable and pure genius. You have to give it to them. It's amazing. And And the FCC let them do that. So what I think is going to be interesting is when this auction does wrap up, you know, $82 billion, I think it's probably fair to say that the estimates around how much AT&T and Verizon and even T-Mobile to an extent were willing to invest were low or the consensus estimates around that. You know, if you think about kind of what folks said they were prepared to invest, I think Verizon had said they were looking somewhere around 15 20 billion dollars. It was unclear how much AT&T was willing to put up, although, as you've mentioned, both of them have taken out more debt since that time. Where do you think this $82 billion is coming from, or is it too early to tell? I think it's, it's a little bit too early to tell. Early estimates, or the estimates that a lot of people pulled out, and we, I think, wisely didn't throw a uh, um, a hat in the ring of how much we thought it would be. We're like in the $40 billion range, and it blew like like straight through that because it's so hard to predict. But for the the amount, it was really a perfect storm coming together of the FCC give it, basically handing T-Mobile a dominant spectrum precision, Verizon and, and AT&T having to have to catch up, and extremely low interest rates. And I think the market probably got in the beginning also. Yeah, and so it's very interesting. What will be very interest, also very interesting to see is what happened to the, the two bidders that we, we haven't talked about which were given so much airtime and so much attention beforehand, DISH and the bidding combination between Charter and Comcast, right? So I think that's the biggest question mark of how much did they spend? What what are we seeing there? They were very active in CBRS, which probably gave them a, a fallback position. 
in in the places where it maybe got it too expensive, right? So it will be very revealing when we know who bid what and how much and where. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Roger. Looking forward to it. <laughs>